Welcome to Sensitive Sundays, a show where we normalize vulnerability and pretend like tomorrow is not Monday. My name is Carly. And my name's Alyssa. And today, the topic we're going to be talking about, what is it, Carly? It's friendships. Yeah. (laughs) Specifically, we're going to talk about like the dynamics of friendships and friend groups and honestly just balancing time for yourself and your friends in a healthy way. Let's start it off like we always do. What are you feeling sensitive about this Sunday, Carly? That's a great question, Alyssa. I'm feeling sensitive about moving, potentially. Mm, yes. Yeah. It You don't realize how quickly it comes upon you sometimes when you're like, oh, wait, I can't stay where I am and I have to go somewhere else. And then all of the things that come with that. For sure. Like housing prices and how am I going to get my furniture from place to place? I've been really scared about the potential day that I'm going to move because I have so much furniture. And that big ass couch. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it was so hard to get into our house too. So I don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know it's kind of been floated around lately that it seems like I'm going to be moving in the next yeah. month or two, which I have mixed feelings about. I'm, you know, excited and hopeful that something cool is going to come around. But also at the same time, there's a lot of stress that I'm like already feeling about it. Right. Which surprises me. But I moved through the stages of grief like really quickly over the last couple days. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm feeling sensitive about on this Sunday. Alyssa, what are you feeling sensitive about? Oh, gosh. Um, wow, I always respond with that same thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, I haven't thought about it. I'm feeling sensitive about my, I don't know how to say this exactly. I have been dealing with the fact that I am someone who has ADHD. It hasn't been 100% diagnosed, although I have spoken to my doctor about it, and she believes that I have it, but she wanted me to go to someone who specializes mm-hmm. in in that kind of research. So recently, I've been really wanting to do that. I have just been kind of afraid most of my life to ever go see someone about it because it kind of puts a little bit of a label, which is what my parents had said to me growing up. Like, I thought I had a learning disability, and teachers told me I had a learning disability, and both of my parents were very much against that, and they didn't Mm. want me to go get tested because they didn't want that label on me. And back then, I was incredibly grateful because I didn't want that label either. I wanted to be with my peers and feel normal. Mm. I remember in sixth grade was pulled out of PE or recess or something to do an extra reading class. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember like literally looking out the window, stuck in this reading class Uh. with like three or four other students while everyone else was outside playing. And it felt terrible, but I know I needed it. I was struggling. But growing up, becoming an adult, I realized how much that could have been helpful. Yeah, it's so tough because you have to go through the debate of am I going to do what's helpful for me or what's socially helpful, I guess. Right. It sounds difficult to choose whether to label or not to label at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, the label isn't great, sure, but it's becoming more socially acceptable Mm -hmm. and more and more people all over social media, ADHD is like a whole thing now. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I talk to a lot of neurodiverse people in my job. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing for me is not stigmatizing any of it at all. We live in a world that's designed for certain people. And this world is designed for people that can focus really well for whatever reason that is. So anybody that doesn't have the attention span 
that meets requirements is going to have trouble operating in most spaces, at least. I don't know. Well, and the scale is so broad because going through life seeming like these tasks that are so difficult for me seem so simple for them. And it's just a matter of the focus and drive determination and stuff. And I just, ADHD tends to be confused with being lazy or not motivated, but it's also just, I have moments where I'm like, I would give anything to just do it. Like I want to do it, but I just Mm -hmm. feel this blocker like I can't. So I've just been feeling sensitive about that because I want to go see a specialist, but first of all, it's kind of expensive to do. Even when I had my really good insurance through my last job, my doctor told me that it was going to still have to be out of pocket, which kind of sucks, but I still wanted to do it. I don't know why I didn't. And now I kind of wish I had, but it doesn't mean I can't go do it now. And whenever you're ready, right? Especially if you already feel like the symptoms fit. Yeah. I'm sure that it won't be a surprise. You know, you do go get tested. I think if anything, it just is something that proves what you've already been experiencing. Yeah. I just know that that mental clarity exists and that I know I'll feel better once I get to experience that. So anyway, that's what I'm feeling a little sensitive about. I I hope I can get that figured out. But yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Alyssa. Thank you for sharing yours too. I know moving and that whole process is is very stressful. Yeah. Life sucks sometimes uh, for a lot of reasons. And I guess just our little struggles definitely make it more difficult to get through every day. But I'm happy I have you and you always have me. Oh, 100%. I hope you know that. <laughs> Same to you. And we have the space, which is nice too. Absolutely. Okay. What are we talking about today, Alyssa? Like we said, we're talking about friendships. <laughs> I know we talked a lot about our friendship in episode one, mm-hmm. um, just so you guys had background of who we are and where we come from and yada, yada. But today we're going to kind of dive deeper into the technicality of friendships, the dynamics, you know, with multiple people, singular friendships, and just knowing how to dedicate time to your friends and yourself, and hopefully in a healthy way, because Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, I've witnessed people who dedicate themselves to their friends maybe a little more than themselves, and it ends up really hurting you. And there are such things as emotional vampire friendships, too, who drain all of the energy from you, and Mm -hmm. you're blindly kind of I don't know, you're you're being taken advantage of mm. truly rather than in an equal relationship. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I just I wrote about kind of more general things in our in our notes for the podcast. But I think at the end of the day what you bring up is a lot of different dynamics between individuals, between friend groups. Mm-hmm. It really varies a lot in our experiences it probably varied a lot. Oh, yeah. Between you and I. And I think the original reason that I was thinking about this being a topic that we talk about is because Alyssa and I have gone through a lot of different dynamics, even in our own friendship with each other. Yep. (laughs) So I think it's really expansive, probably to most friend groups and even between the friend groups that Alyssa and I have. And at the end of the day, making friends is a hard thing in itself. And that's probably a separate topic that we can talk about on its own in here. Totally. But that has its own dynamics of starting a friendship, feeling out what it's like to be friends with that person or if you fit or if you don't navigating does this person like me is something that comes up often so that's something we can talk about another time but I think we're talking about focusing more on how our friendships change in our dynamics and kind of how we've worked through it in a way yeah for sure 
There's a lot to it, that's for sure. So maybe let's start with the dynamics between one-on-one friendships. Mm. So we could talk about friendships between like you and a male friend or Mm -hmm. something because there's a whole section to that in itself because, you know, society tends to think, oh, men and women can't be friends, which is just absolutely Mm. ridiculous. But it... I know you and I growing up, we were mostly friends with dudes. Mm -hmm. Like between you and I, you were my main girlfriend and then I was friends with a bunch of dudes. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to speak more to that. And I think as Alyssa's talking about one-on-one friends too, I feel like I have the best connections with people one-on-one. I think it's harder for me to have friends in groups. Mm -hmm. And I think what Alyssa is speaking to too about being friends with guys is a lot of my experience in the past. And I feel lucky that I've been able to get friendships with women these days or with non-binary folks or you know, anyone in between as well. It's been really nice to like expand my friendships beyond what we had in high school. But me having friends who are heterosexual men in this case, it's hard to kind of find that balance sometimes, especially when both of us have partners or things like that. My friend was literally just texting me today because he hung out with me and my partner over the weekend. And he was telling me about how much hope he had after hearing what my partner was saying about encouraging us to just spend time one-on-one. I think there's, I guess, some fear that comes up when you're in a partnership and your partner is friends with somebody who is like in a category of what you would think that they like or attracted to. There's some like jealousy that can come up and that sort of thing. And it's happened before in my friendship with him. So I definitely understand how that could be something that changes the dynamic or creates um, an opportunity for it to end at some point, even though you two don't want it to. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough because I I know like growing up throughout school and, and college and work, like it's always been an issue where I've had so many friendships with the guys that I thought were really nice friends with me ended mm-hmm. up being not that. <laughs> Mm. I wish I could say that in a more eloquent way. Um, (laughs) Just they caught feelings and I've been someone who's been in long-term relationships and I have not been single since Mm -hmm. freshman year of high school, which means all these friendships that I've had, I've been in committed relationships. And the outcome typically once these guy friends admit their feelings or something to me. It ends up being tough. I try my best to let them down softly because I don't want the friendship to end and I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's never my intention. But usually they end up lashing out in some kind of way, whether they start to be angry with me or I don't know. It's very frustrating because these are people that I feel close to or felt close to that I want to maintain a relationship with. But I guess, you know, there's a point where it's not for me to decide whether they can continue the friendship or Mm. not because they're going to feel what they feel and I'm going to feel what I feel. So it's just a balancing act and it's it's Mm. a dynamic in itself. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like female friendships or non-binary, I I honestly haven't had too many. And as I've gotten older, you've introduced me to a lot of new friends Mm -hmm. since moving down here. And it's been really awesome. I've loved it. And that's honestly the easiest way, I think, to make friends Mm -hmm. nowadays is friends through your friends. Mm 
because it's true, the older you get, it's a little bit harder because you're not forced into like school where you're surrounded by these people on a daily basis. And it's a main part of your day. Like we spend most of our days working. So you can make friends through work, but you can't really do it outside in the few hours that we have after work most of the time unless you're doing something that's in a group setting. Yeah. And work friendships is like a whole nother topic in itself because there's, depending on your position and your role, you have to be careful. Like I was a manager in my last position. So I felt like I kind of had to be careful with what I said and did because it's just how it is. Yeah. And I guess, you know, speaking to to female friendships, at least between Alyssa and I, we've gotten pretty lucky in being able to talk things through and and work out issues and be pretty grounded in our feelings. You know, I know that really stereotyped for like women to be catty. That was the narrative that we yeah. grew up with. And that's the reason I think why I was one of those pick me girls, I think at one point that mm-hmm. said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be friends with guys because they're so much easier to. I think a lot of people have said that which is you know dumb in itself um and i'm i've found at least maybe with like maturity level at this point and things like that that we've been able to work things through gracefully and sometimes it's been even easier in a way too to have friendships with other women who can be you know a strong community right and really understand the deep issues and experiences that we've had i think there's still some truth behind I hate to say it, the whole catty girl relationships, because if you look at evolution in time, women had to kind of fight for the men's attention in a lot of different ways. So, you know, it's funny because you look at I'm different- curious about examples. Alyssa, yes. Yeah. I, like I, the way that I think about it, you know, like, I guess when we think about like communities in the past, like women have been the main sources of strength in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking more about like heterosexual relationships. You know, the the father would give away their daughters, Mm -hmm. right? And so they would have to pretty themselves up and make themselves as desirable as possible. And they're all fighting for the most eligible suitor, right? Mm -hmm. So women have always been kind of pitted against each other to be the prettiest, to be the smartest, to be Mm -hmm. the most talented so that they can get the most eligible suitor in the community. All for freaking male (laughs) attention. So that's what I mean. Like it's still ingrained in us where we always feel like we're competing against each other. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why sometimes some female relationships really don't work because they only see each other as competition when in reality, that's not how it should be. Mm. No, none of us should be competing with each other because we're all just living this life together and we're not trying to fight for the same dudes anymore. And were we ever anyway? I know. I think at the end of the day, like I, I totally agree that there is some weird internal comparison that yeah. comes up, I think, at, with me and my friendships too. I think it's so easy to compare myself to other people that are like me and be like oh how are they better how can I be better mm-hmm. how can I I guess like win yeah and I'm putting air quotes around it but there is like a sense of competition oh absolutely I think at this point in our lives I think both of us are questioning like what for like what's the point absolutely point? I would say that was probably our has been our biggest downfall in our re- relationship that there was always a lot of competition between the two of us I think that's where most of our fights stemmed from Mm. when you really like get to the nitty gritty of it. I'm giving you a real life example. When we were younger, I was raised on movie music and Phantom of the Opera and that kind of stuff while Carly knew all of like the popular 
music and she was able to have these great conversations with everyone around us about it. And I had no idea. I didn't know what the Beatles were. Can you believe that? I didn't know the Beatles. You introduced me to the Beatles. But when you're a kid, it's public knowledge, whatever Mm. people know most to make you feel fit in, right? So I just felt so jealous and angry because Carly knows everything and I don't and I just oh and there's that sense of competition Mm. that starts to emerge so the competition was about social acceptance yeah I think in some ways and jealousy right Mm -hmm. so I felt like she knows all of this and dang Mm -hmm. (laughs) so no that totally makes sense it's so funny to like think about it that way and then be in this mindset now that we're in where you know I, I guess I'm trying to get rid of comparison as a whole is a thing that I do mm-hmm. as a way to judge, am I good enough? I think at this point, because I'll never know if I'm good enough based on comparing myself to other people. Right. And I feel really grateful about that, that I can like let go of that. At least like not saying I'm perfect. I compare myself to other people all the time and I'm still trying to work through these biases that are just internalized for yeah. me. Well, and you're human. It's yeah. so human to compare. Like. Yeah. I think people compare themselves up until their their deathbed, frankly. Mm. Like it just, I'm sure the older you get, the less you care. Obviously, I've heard my parents say that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to get to a point where you don't really care what anyone around you thinks. Mm-hmm. And sure, that's that's something I'll look forward to. But anyway, I just, I am I do feel like you and I are turning a corner where we're more aware of it now yeah. and definitely working through that kind of competitive comparison mindset Mm -hmm. so and i'm excited you know to be in a a place where i can have friendships with people that are just about being individuals and admiring our differences and being able to build off of each other and encourage each other if we want to do something different i love that (laughs) i've noticed that more and more as the years go on Mm -hmm. that i i am finding people who just are like oh, you know, I know this thing. Let me show you how to do it. When they're showing me new things, I don't have that sixth grade mindset of, dang, why does she know and I don't? Mm -hmm. It's more like, oh, heck yeah, now I know someone who knows how to do this and I'm going to learn more about Mm -hmm. it. Like, there's just, there's a new mindset on it and it's just, it's so exciting (laughs) rather than debilitating. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's much nicer to have worlds open through friendship rather than close because of differences at the end of the day. Right. Something that I was thinking about too, I guess, in terms of our friendship is I think the other reason that, you know, we've had rifts or like breaks is because of focusing on people that weren't in our friendship, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when it comes to partners and things like that, you and I both tend to prioritize our partners more than ourselves. What is your opinion on that? Because I feel like your relationship with your BFF versus your partner is very similar yet very different, right? Like there's, there's a level of security and safeness with your best friend and your partner, but yet it still feels kind of like, do you, do you have an opinion on that? Oh, I've been talking about this a lot lately. Um, because my, my housemate and one of my close friends, like she, she considered herself a relationship anarchist is what she was saying, which I think is generally like a statement saying that she really believes that close friendship should be the priority in your life over your partner over your partner over you know other people i wonder if that's just based on upbringing or what because heterosexual mindset right um girlfriends are your go-to people and your your husband or partner whatever was the person that like 
you deal with the nitty gritty in terms of day to day life, yeah. but you go to your friends to deal with your problems, right? Mm -hmm. But now your partner is typically someone that you can connect on a deeper level with mm -hmm. and maybe people are walking away from their friendships because they feel that getting fulfilled through their partner. Mm -hmm. But is that the healthy way? Is that the right way? I mean, there's no right or wrong, right? But I know that for me in the past, I've been in relationships where I've been fully obsessed with my partner and I definitely put them above any kind of friendship around me. And looking back on that, I don't really see that as a healthy, good yeah. thing. Like it's people need people. I said that in, I think, episode one, yeah. right? And I think like I never really, I've at least tried to stop saying healthy and unhealthy, I guess, in this sense, but more of like what's helpful for you. And I guess, you know, it is helpful in some ways to to prioritize a relationship where you spend a lot of time with the person. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, I think I see what you're saying and things are changing and shifting a lot, you know, like socially things, at least in Western culture used to be this way of like, you know, you talk to your girlfriends and gossip and then you have like a husband at home or whatever it right. is that, that you end yeah. up having to do the daily life things with. But now everything is kind of expansive. And I've come to this place to realize that I don't need everything from a partner. And I don't think it's healthy to want my partner to be my everything right. at the end of the day. And I literally just said not healthy. Overall, the the hope is that I can have a balance between everybody. That's the ultimate goal. And that's the thing that I've been having a hard time with overall as I'm like starting this new relationship with my partner. We've been dating for almost six months. It's been hard because I had spent so much time with my housemates and with Alyssa and with my aunt and all of these other people that I share time with. And I do want to spend time with them, want to spend time with me. And now I have to add this new person into the mix that I want to really get to know and understand at a deeper level. And so I'm having trouble with that at least. Right. And something that Carly has always struggled with is putting herself first. She tends to put the people around her first, which I know we've been talking through on our own and trying to, I've just been trying to help support you and, and help you, I don't want to say realize, because you know, but just help you start putting yourself more first. <laughs> yeah. And I've been appreciating that because I think I need it affirmed over and over again until I really believe yeah. and change that I need to start thinking about what I need before what other people need. I kind of wonder where that stemmed from, you know, mm. like in your upbringing, what made you feel the need to put everyone around you before yourself? I mean, I feel like I'm the same way, but in a different degree. Like mm -hmm. I tend to stop myself from even dedicating too much to friendships because I know that I would probably end up being the downfall because I have such a hard time putting all of that effort in that you do into like communicating consistently and stuff. So therefore I have less friends, but I am putting myself first by not forcing myself in that situation with a bunch of friends. But I'm also hurting myself by not developing these friendships that could possibly be really wonderful for myself. So it's, again, it's a balancing act, yeah. but it's also something that we're just going to keep having to try and figure out as we continue going yeah. through life. Has anything helped you figure out that balance? I haven't figured out the balance. I've just kind of spent some time thinking to myself, okay, Alyssa, you do this for a reason, right? You like your alone time. You are a homebody. You're not necessarily someone that likes to go out and party every weekend or go dancing all the time. Does that mean you don't ever want to do that stuff? Absolutely not. I love going out and 
I think the friends that I made at my last job, they really helped push me into allowing myself to explore the more the more wild um, side of myself, like going out to clubs and drinking and et cetera, et cetera. Sure, I may not do it to the degree that they do, but I was so glad that they kind of helped me branch out and get out of that box that I was in before. Mm. So I've just had more conversations with myself of being like, hey, it's okay that you're not that kind of person that goes out all the time and talks to these specific people all the time. Because in reality, you just don't have that personality or Mm -hmm. energy to be going out and to be friends with people who need to go out all the time and who are going to cause drama if you don't go out with them. So, you know, maybe to the outside world, I come off like a sloth person who doesn't like to go out or whatever. But in reality, if you get to know me and you're someone who is able to go at my pace with me, then it's a good fit. But not mm-hmm. every friendship's a good fit. I just, I've been in too many relationships like that where mm-hmm. I gave more than I received and I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. So, no, I, I understand that of being in that place where you don't, you want it to be reciprocal as much as it can be. And I think what you were saying kind of reminded me my therapist taught me a long time ago this idea of friendship circles. Mm-hmm. So there are like inner inner circles where like your closest friends and then it expands to like good friends and then it expands to acquaintances and so on and so forth. And we can have people that fluctuate in between, but it's about our definition of what makes that person fit in the category. Yeah. And if it's not reciprocal, then maybe they're not your close friends or your good friends. Right. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to be friends with them or they don't have their time and place to be people Absolutely. that you Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like I still have so many friends that even though we never talk, I hope (laughs) that I can still reach out to them. Like friends back from high school. I have friends that were, they were foreign exchange students that came to my school. And even though I haven't spoke to them in probably over six years, I still like to think that if I were to reach out to them tomorrow, which in fact, I I might do that with my Mm -hmm. friend who lives in Thailand since we're trying to go to Mm -hmm. Thailand. I still hope that maybe we can still be in touch and have conversations and, and maybe it won't revert 100% back to what it was. But I I build friendships with people not just because it's helpful to me. Like obviously there's like a social gain to certain friendships, which is a whole nother topic to talk yeah. about. But I try to gravitate myself to people that feel like a good fit, that feel like they match my energy mm. and sensitivities and mm-hmm. stuff. So. Yeah, I feel the same way too. I'm really liking people who can be vulnerable these days. I think Mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for in other people is people who can be genuine and authentic and able to recognize that they're different from themselves or from other people around them. Yeah. Should we talk about friend groups? Because we've talked a lot about individual. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, I don't have too much to say about friend groups. I think I have like a couple right now of of groups, but they're all small at the end of the day. Like I've really been like a one to four friend type yeah. person. So like the only big friend groups I've been a part of is if it's like associated with some type of like club, like drama club in high school or my sister's friend group, which I kind of consider them my friend group too. But because there's like what eight of us in that group and it never feels like too much when we're all together but if i was with that size of group of people 
of other people, I might feel differently. It just kind of, I'm, I think I'm like you where I prefer a more intimate setting um, because the bigger it is, like I was talking about in episode one, my sensitivity was the dinner party we had. I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, I was feeling sensitive about that and that's a bigger group of people. Yeah. So I just think in general, I get a little bit more in my head and self-conscious. So maybe just bigger groups kind of bring that out in us. I don't know. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, not others, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it depends. My partner has a pretty big friend group with a lot of people that go in and out of it. And it's interesting to like notice what it brings up for me in those settings. I get pretty quiet when I'm in a group versus when it's just me one-on-one or with a couple of people. Yeah. So I think that we're pretty similar and that it's like the most out of our comfort zone. And I think for a lot of people, it probably is. But I definitely like my groups that I've made from other places that are pretty small. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have your group from college right? Um, that you play games with. And I have yeah. my group from grad school that I you know, used to go dancing with, used to hang out with, that I still talk to. And then I'm like sort of trying to form a group out here, but it's like a slow process. Right. And you had that group during, was it during COVID that you met up with? There, I forgot. Oh, yeah. It was like right before COVID. Right and then before? During, yeah, because I started okay. in January of 2020. I started using this Facebook group for Yes Theory. They're YouTube creators and their videos aren't really my jam these days. I uh-huh. guess they're like really big thrill seekers with their whole purpose is saying yes to things and being uncomfortable and seeking discomfort. Right, right. And so there are Facebook groups of people who are interested in the same things. And that was my whole goal of 2020. Funny enough, I didn't get to do a lot of that being uh-huh. indoors still uncomfortable (laughs) but um i've been able to find ways to make friends through groups like that so for a while i had like larger groups that i was trying to network and talk to people and make connections that way and i found a couple of super nice people that i still talk to i remember when you first told me about that group i i found that so admirable that you like went out of your way to find this group on Facebook to just connect with, to make friends. Like there's a lot of different possibilities of building relationships. I mean, there's there's apps like Bumble, BFF, right? And, and other things. So I just, but I know a lot of us feel kind of socially awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think I think all the extroverts in the audience won't be able to relate as much, but for the introverted ones out there, um, It is possible to find friends through a lot of different mediums like Mm -hmm. Facebook groups and apps and friends of friends and et cetera, et cetera, and your jobs. So don't ever feel like it's not possible because it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a work in progress at the end of the day. And I think even as Alyssa's talking about making friends, I'm also thinking about the dynamics within you know, groups, especially ones that you're a part of, you might have different relationships with every person in the group and that leads to something and it makes me think about in marriage and family therapy, we talk a lot about it being a system. It's a system's perspective of every relationship, every group that we have is a dynamic and it changes and it has a homeostasis or something that keeps it like pretty stable. And as things change and as people change, the dynamics are going to change. And that's just kind of leads to different parts and experiences within the group. So it's totally understandable if your group isn't always stable or there's one person that you don't get along with as well as the other ones. Right. That kind of reminds me of something my mom always told me growing up. I never understood that it's the phrase, two's a party, three's a crowd. Mm. I never totally understood that, but I guess it's just 
less pressure because it's such a smaller group. And when there's three people involved, there's a lot more dynamic that can happen to pitting against one. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's just there's a lot more opportunity for issues. So I just, I I felt the need to bring that up because my mom's a very wise woman. (laughs) I will talk her up. I have a very good relationship with my mom, but I just, that's something that has always stuck with me. So I I think that's part of why I personally have always stuck to smaller groups of people, Mm -hmm. so. That makes sense. And I think that kind of leads into like, while we're balancing groups of people or how many people we're friends with or how we balance those groups while also balancing time with ourselves versus other people right. has been a difficulty. How do you feel? I mean, I know we already touched upon it, but how do you feel like you're doing with that right now? Oh, I'm so bad at it, Alyssa. <laughs> I'm so bad. I try to use all of my available time for other people and uh, that's just been the way that it's been for a long time and it's not like I haven't been given advice and haven't been given the opportunities you know even a friend that I made pretty recently was like just block out time just block out like an hour for yourself right and then you know you can make time outside of that in theory it makes sense that it's going to work but I just can't bring myself to do it I'm like resistant to doing it and I guess I have to talk about that in therapy a little bit more but (laughs) I know what I need to do and I just don't do it right well At the end of the day, it's being aware that it's a situation you're in that you're feeling and taking steps towards helping yourself and seeking help. And so I think you're you're right exactly where you should be because it's true. Your whole life you've put others before you and now you're finally in a space where you can kind of recognize, okay, it's time for me to put me first. Mm And everyone else, as much as I love them, and I will continue to dedicate time to them, they have to come second. Mm. And that's just a reality, period. You can't really function putting other people before mm. you, so. I know, I know as you were talking, I recognize why. I oh, yeah? It. Yeah, it just scares me. I think I have a big fear of abandonment mm-hmm. overall. And I think that if I don't give people a time and space that they need, that they're gonna leave. Yeah. Which is totally a reality and it happens. Oh, yeah. Totally, a hundred percent, and it's it's a terrifying and heartbreaking thing to go through when people just kind of disappear or walk away. I, have you ever been ghosted by a friend, by a friend, by relationships? Oh, for just, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's probably why I have abandonment issues. To yeah, begin with. I I think I have. I can't think off the top of my head because I'm very good at blocking <laughs> and blocking negative <laughs> moments. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure I've been through it too. So I. It's a very common fear to have abandonment. Ultimately, in summary, everything is different and all your friendships are going to differ in their dynamics and in how things move and how you are in each relationship. Right. The most important part is that you're aware of if it's helpful for you or not at the end of the day. Yeah. And as we age, your mindset and point of view is going to change. You're not always going to see friendships in the same way. And and I'm still curious. I want to know people's opinions about the whole, how you and I both prioritized our mm. partnerships in the past. I really want to hear people's opinions on what seems to be the best way because before every focus was on your friendships what feels like the right medium you know Mm -hmm. because i personally don't want to go back to that friendship where you and i focused on our partners 
the most like I don't want to ever fail a Bechdel test at the end of the day. The rules of a Bechdel test are like in the first five to 10 minutes of the movie. Does it feature a prominent female character? Does that character talk about anything other than men? Like, yeah, this whole thing, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I want my, our real lives to not be reflective of the way that the female image has been portrayed right. through, through a heterosexual yeah. male lens. Yeah, I mean, even if I wasn't heterosexual, like, I don't want my life to be completely about my boyfriend, my partner. Mm-hmm. I want it to be about all of the loving relationships I have around me and and experiences and et cetera. Yeah. Like he doesn't always need to be a part of every moment and everything I go through. Like there's lots of moments that I need to experience singularly on my own. And there are moments that I want to share specifically with you and so on. So yeah. I just, I know in the past I have prioritized my partnerships and I don't want that to be the case. And fortunately I am with someone and I think you are too, yeah. with someone who actually completely agrees with that and wants neither of us to feel like we're so dependent on our partner mm-hmm. and that we have space to do things on our own. So I I feel like you and I are in very good situations, but you know, listeners, if you feel like you're not, that doesn't mean you'll always feel like this. You Mm -hmm. don't always have to be stuck in this situation or in this mindset. I mean, if you're happy. I mean, at the end of the day, you'll dig your way out of it one way or another. Mm -hmm. You know what's right for you at the end of the day. If that's easing off and having a conversation with your partner where you're like, hey, I'm scared that my life is just going to be focused on you and it's not going to be as expansive as I want it to be. I think that, you know, if your partner values those things and values you as who you are, they'll let you do that and maybe prioritize something else themselves during that time so you can both grow together. And it's good to consult with your friends, the ones you can truly trust and say, hey, I would like to get your opinion. Do you feel like I am spending all of my time with my partner? And like, do you feel like you're getting the attention from me? You know, there. be careful because, you know, you can have friends that'll be like, well, I don't like your boyfriend or girlfriend. So be careful with who you consult with. But the people around you have a good insight too. It doesn't feel like that sometimes. But I know the relationship I had in high school I had multiple people around me say, hey, this is not a good situation, Um, maybe reconsider. And in the moment, I'm like, screw you, I'm happy. You are all crazy and you just don't want me to be happy. I mean, I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. just a high school mindset, but looking back, they were half right and they were half wrong. I was happy, but I can also see from their point of view how it wasn't healthy and how I was just so engrossed in that relationship that other areas of my life didn't get to thrive. So mm-hmm. anyway, this episode's kind of turning into a relationship uh, topic. <laughs> so we'll we'll probably stop there with that unless yeah. you have something to yeah. add. I mean, I guess my, my question to the audience that's similar to Alyssa's is like, how do you find balance in your relationships between your friendships? Yes. In French, friend groups between your friendships and your partners or you know, family, like, how do you balance it all? I know I personally would really love to know. I wish my 15, 16 year old self could have heard what everyone has to say. It's just valuable information to know how everybody feels about it. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm curious. So we have a couple of different regular bits that we're trying to do in the podcast. I really hope uh, people liked our hype session last <laughs> episode. I think we're going to skip that this time. Yeah, I think so too. And instead, we're going to talk about something else that we're hype about, but we could call this maybe passion project or something like yeah. that, you know. Well, listen, I want to talk a little bit about something that we're feeling really passionate and excited about just to kind of end off the podcast on a different note. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? What are you feeling passionate about, Carly? I'm passionate about sexual health. Oh, okay. Let's hear about it. It's a topic that like, I find tough talking to other people about a lot of the time unless Mm -hmm. they're in the same camp. But I've been reading this book, Come As You Are, and it's been super valuable in what it's taught me and what I understand now. So I've been really excited to learn more and understand it, not even just applying it to my life, but just thinking about as a therapist too, how I can help other people use this knowledge that seems so understandable. I love that. What's one topic from the book that you would say has made a big impact on your mindset? think understanding context and how much it plays a role in at least like my experience sexually like Mm -hmm. it plays such a big role in whether you feel safe whether you feel comfortable whether you can allow yourself to get into that mindset or not and she expands a lot more on that there's a lot more cognitively and emotionally and um experientially for you that leads to that and she gives opportunity to like journal about it and write about it and like notice the little variables What's like a, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. What's like a question that the author asks you that maybe you could give this question to our audience to Mm. get them to think a little more on it? I mean, I guess the the larger question is like, what contexts allow you to be open sexually or be, feel excited, feel eager, feel available? Like a scenario? Is that what you mean by context? Yeah, overall, it's, it like has to be, a lot has to do with like, who the partner is like what it, it varies so much who the partner is how you're feeling how much stress you're dealing with at mm-hmm. the time you know what's going on for you locationally where are you a lot of these things can inhibit or accelerate things depending on you know what you need right there's so much to having sex or like being sexual with somebody else that allow you to be in it or not in Mm -hmm. a certain way and each person is different there's a lot more to it there's a whole theory about like this dual control method about having an accelerator and then in a break and seeing whether they're sensitive or not noticing you know like what helps them be more sensitive in certain cases or that sort of thing like there's a lot to understanding and analyzing and processing your own sexuality and kind of what comes into play with those things. Yeah, interesting. I'm curious about the accelerator and break if there's like a, I'm a visual person, so I'm Mm -hmm. curious if there's like a visual tool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know you've been bringing up that book a lot, so it's definitely having an impact on you. That's that's fantastic. I love how much reading has an impact on the people that I care about most, like you (laughs) and my partner. He constantly is sending me pictures of quotes from his self-help books that he I know it's very sweet but I wish that reading had the same effect on me it does sometimes it really depends Mm -hmm. it's just if I can be captivated enough but for me music's what usually catches my attention because Mm -hmm. it moves me emotionally Um, what are you passionate about 
Alyssa? So in regards to music, actually, I'm feeling passionate about a song I'm currently writing about. Mm. I think I've already mentioned this, but my sweet boy, Todd, my cat, just passed away on May 8th. And that's been incredibly difficult for me. It's just been so heartbreaking because he is like the first pet that was 110% mine. And I tend to have a really hard time making music, but when I'm feeling strong emotional feelings, I that's when it comes out the most. So I started writing a song for him about him and um, I don't have a title yet, and I'm not even finished with it, but I am actually very in love with it, and I'm so excited to actually finish it and record it, and I'm hoping to actually like find somebody who knows how to master music, because mm-hmm. I own Logic Pro on, on Apple, but I have very limited knowledge on how to actually use it, so I, I'm hoping to hire someone to help me develop it, but I just feel so passionate about this song because it just speaks to my love for him and the love I felt from him. And I'm just, I'm so excited to be creating something and how I've actually been able to almost complete it because that's always been a big issue for me is I'm able to start a lot of creative projects, but it's really hard for me to finish them Mm -hmm. because I get this mindset of perfectionism where if it's not perfect, then what's the point? Let's just stop. It's very debilitating. I just feel like I've pushed through that with this one and I've Mm -hmm. just poured my heart and soul into it. So it's amazing, Alyssa, that you can, you know, take your emotions and your care and your your passion for your boy and make it into something that you can share with other people and that you can play for him to honor him. Yeah. It's so exciting that you've been able to also push past kind of this uh, wall that comes up sometimes for you about wanting it to be perfect and it being more than just it being perfect, but it being about something that's a tribute and a way to express how you're feeling. Right. I I love music so much. And I know I already spoke about that last episode of how I think it's just such a beautiful tool that can be communicated through different regions of the world and be so moving, even if you don't speak the same language. So I think that's where a lot of my passion stems from for it. But it's it's a difficult art, too. Like, a lot of people make it look very easy, but it's not that easy. I mean, there's different forms of it that can be easier than others. But at the end of the day, you just have to play around with it and have fun and for me not take it so seriously just just allow it to be and flow mm-hmm. and be willing to learn and grow with it so yeah that's awesome thanks for sharing Alyssa absolutely thank you for sharing your passion I'm so happy that that book is is creating such a big impact on you, a very positive impact. And I, I hope to hear more about it. You can teach me a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. I just want to thank our listeners for hanging out with us and coming along on the ride. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Sensitive Sundays. Uh, like the podcast. And like I said, please leave comments. Um, you can email us at sensitivesundays.podcast at gmail.com. 
and follow us on Instagram, sensitivesundays.podcast. And um, we're going to try and be as active on our social media account as we possibly can. Uh, Carly's a full-time worker right now, and I'm currently looking for work. So we'll see how uh, active we'll be. But I'm definitely going to try and make an effort to make it interesting enough for Mm -hmm. you guys. So She's doing a great job so far. I'm just following (laughs) her lead. (laughs) Thanks, Carly. Yeah, so again, if you have any questions for us, please reach out. And um, if you don't come back, we might cry. (laughs) (laughs) I always laugh after we do that. Please, please come back. Please come back. We really love having you. Doing this is so much fun. So please come back. (laughs) And uh, if you don't have anything else, I hope that you have a great rest of your Sunday and a good week. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.